Well, every day I suspect we wake up into a world of voices. What may start out as a quiet morning will eventually evolve into a noisy world with voices vying for our attention. There's the voice on the alarm, the alarm clock telling us to get up and start the day. Maybe there's voices around the breakfast table asking for cereal or juice or coffee or what do you have planned for the day? You get into the car and head out and you listen to the voice on your favorite podcast or you turn on the, new, the news and you hear more, more voices that bring you the most updated news of the day or the news of what happened overnight or their opinion or their narrative on how the world is or should be. As the day goes on, you hear the voices of coworkers or customers or friends and it's not even afternoon and now your soul feels overwhelmed and your soul feels tired with voices and information. And maybe at some point you hear voices of a more inward kind that sneak up on you as the day moves along. The voices of worry and anxiousness. The voices of frustration. Sometimes the voices of uh, uncertainty or indecision as well as voices of lack of meaning or purpose or something of that nature. Sometimes we hear the voice of shame deep in our soul reminding us of our failure. Or maybe there's the voice of grief that reminds us of our losses or how we're still hurting. Probably for most, there's the voice of weariness and exhaustion telling us that there's still more to do and the day isn't over yet, so get going. And by the time you get home, all of these voices now seem to sound like demands. I need this, or I need that, or can you get me this, or what are you going to do about that? And sometimes these voices come from actual people. And sometimes, though, they're self-inflicted. In other words, it's the demands and expectations that we place upon ourselves. But be that as it may, our day is filled with voices. With maybe the very last voice we hear is the sound of the TV in the background as we fall asleep to what we often call white noise. That noise we need to distract our mind from all the other voices. Now these voices can shape who we are and who, we're, who we are becoming in good ways and sometimes in not so good ways. And they can lodge themselves deep into our hearts and our souls and our minds and kind of stay on continual play mode. These voices can sound authoritative as well as shaming and demeaning. There are encouraging voices, to be sure, but there's also discouraging voices. There are voices that can sound critical in judgment, and there are voices that tell us that we did well, but that we need to do better. And some of these voices seem to be on an endless loop that play over and over and over again. So which voices do we trust? What voice do I follow? What voice is truly looking after my well-being? And I can trust that it has my well-being at heart. Well, in his gospel, John provides us this rich image of a shepherd, but not just any shepherd, a good shepherd. Now, this would assume, you would think, that there could be a not-so-good shepherd. Now, John refers to this kind of shepherd as a hired hand. This, assumably, is a person who's only in it for the money, they don't really care about the sheep, nor are they willing to risk themselves for the well-being of the sheep. When there's a problem or there's danger like a wolf coming, the hired hand takes off. As John writes, he's only a hired hand and the sheep don't matter to him, so he's gone. Now John describes a different kind of shepherd, a good shepherd. His shepherd is different. This shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep knows this shepherd. The sheep know that this shepherd is interested in their well-being and this shepherd will look after them. This shepherd will not abandon them or leave them, but will be with them through everything they face, will stand with them, will journey alongside them, 
will provide all that they require. This, John says, is the good shepherd. Now, John doesn't waste any time in making the connection between the image of the good shepherd and Jesus. In fact, we hear it in Jesus' own words, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. I give my life for the sheep, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, the imagery we have here is that of intimacy. It's closeness. It's connection. It's deep care. Listen to those words again. I know my sheep, and they know me. The word know is the language of intimacy and connection. When we truly know someone or we feel known by someone, we feel understood. We feel as if we can be vulnerable with them because we feel safe in their presence. We feel that they truly get us, that they truly see us. The language of knowing is really the language of seeing. For someone to know us is to be seen by them. We no longer feel invisible. We no longer feel disconnected. We no longer feel isolated. This is the kind of knowing that Jesus invites us into in a relationship with him. In fact, the same kind of knowing that Jesus experiences with God is that same kind of knowing that Jesus offers you and I. As Jesus says, I know my sheep, and they know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. To know Jesus and to be known by Jesus is to know God and to be known by God. And this same kind of knowing Jesus has with God is the same kind of knowing that Jesus invites us into with him. And this relationship Jesus has with God is that of love and sacrificial giving. Jesus trusts God's love for him. And out of that love, Jesus is able to give sacrificially. And in many ways, our relationship with Jesus mirrors Jesus' relationship with God. Which brings us back to the issue and topic of voices and the ones we listen to. In describing himself as a good shepherd, Jesus says, they will listen to my voice and they will recognize my voice. And out of all the voices we hear in our life and throughout our day, how do we recognize the voice of Jesus and the good shepherd and distinguish it from all the other voices that come at us? Well, I would suggest this. You will know it and you will hear it and distinguish it because it sounds like the voice of love. And it sounds like the voice of inviting us into sacrificial love for others. Any voice that is not loving, does not come from a place of love, is probably not the voice of the Good Shepherd. Any voice that does not invite us into sacrificial love is probably not that of the Good Shepherd. Love and sacrificial love is the relationship Jesus has with God. And we and our relationship with Jesus mirrors that relationship. And when it's the voice of the Good Shepherd, when it's the voice of God, when it's the voice of Jesus, we know it by its love, and we know it's by its, by its sacrificial giving, which comes from a place of love. Again, I turn to my, what I call my literary mentor, spiritual director, Henry Nouwen, and I, I take in these words and I share them with you. This is what he writes. Many voices ask for our attention. There is a voice that says, prove that you're a good person. Another voice says, you'd better be ashamed of yourself. There's also a voice that says, nobody really cares about you. And one that says, be sure to become successful, popular, and powerful. But underneath all these often noisy voices is still a small voice that says, you are my beloved. My favor rests on you. 
That's the voice, he writes, we need to hear most of all. And he's right. That is the voice we need to hear most of all. You are my beloved. My favor rests on you. And I would add it requires a strong trust that the Good Shepherd truly has our well-being and our peace and our wholeness and our best interest at heart. And that really is most evident in one of the most beloved psalms that I mentioned at the beginning of our worship, Psalm 23. I'm going to read it again from the Common English Bible and invite you and I to listen to it, maybe in a different way. It's such a familiar psalm that it just kind of rolls off our mind and our heart and our soul. But listen to phrases, listen to words that maybe you've never heard them in this way before. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me, your rod and your staff. They protect me. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. Take just a few seconds. Make a mental note. Maybe you want to write it down somewhere if you have a pad or paper or pen nearby. But just take note of a phrase or a word just in that reading that stood out to you. Pay attention to it. That might be the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking to your own heart and your own soul. Now about the psalm, the late Dallas Willard uh, writes this. The kind of life David describes in Psalm 23 is one bathed in shalom or peace. What David understood and experienced was the reality of knowing a loving, attentive, present, powerful, and purposeful guide for his life. Our greatest assurance and soul-filling hope is that the Lord, Yahweh, is our shepherd. It is because of this simple, yet endlessly profound reality that we can begin to understand our place in the world and the joy that is ours forever. Psalm 23, it's a prayer that reminds us that God, as the Good Shepherd, has as God's ultimate concern our well-being, our wholeness, and our peace. God's ultimate concern is that we feel cared for, that we feel blessed, that we feel provided for, that we lack nothing. God's ultimate concern is that we know we are not alone in this world with all of its uncertainties and all of its fears. And God wants us to know that there is a voice, a capital V, a voice, that we can trust that cares more for us than all the other voices that shout out to us during the day or make demands on us or reject us or demean us. God's not, God is not an angry taskmaster. It drives us harder and harder so that we get it right or that we have to measure up. God doesn't say, watch yourself or I'm going to come down hard on you. God is not a God that leads us to our own devices to watch us stumble and fumble around in the dark as we seek to find our footing and to find a way forward. We're not cast into this world to fend for ourselves and to figure it all out. And we're not left alone while we're under the care of some fickle God who can't be trusted and is always subject to unpredictable moods. This is not the God that we read in both the Gospel of John and Psalm 23. On the contrary, 
We live in a relationship. We live in a world where we live in the presence of a God who cares about us deeply and wants nothing more than for you and I to flourish, to be at peace. Note some of the statements in this psalm, the 23rd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. We're led to restful places so that we can rest. God wants us to rest. God encourages our rest and replenishment in a society addicted to busyness and activity and overwork and overexhaustion and just doing more and more and more. God wants us to rest and leads us into places of rest. God guides us in the way that is in alignment with God's intention for our life and the world. And even when we enter into a dark valley, God is there. God guides us in the right path. God wants us to live in alignment with God's purposes and intentions. And if I'm listening and paying attention and listening to God's voice, God will lead me there. And even in our darkest valley, God is with us. Not just the valley of the shadow of death, which is often translated, but some valleys that are dark in other ways, the darkness of discouragement, the darkness of grief, the darkness of, of uncertainty, the darkness of fear, the darkness of depression and anxiety. In those dark valleys, the psalmist says, God is with us. God is with us to offer presence and care in a world filled with enemy-making and rejection and one that continually feels hostile. In that kind of world, God offers a place of hospitality and claims us as God's beloved and chosen. And we need not define ourselves by what others say or their rejection for, of us. And our whole life, the psalmist says, for our whole life, God's goodness and faithful love will follow us, will literally pursue us, come after us. We don't even have to beg for it. It will pursue us all the days of our life. And we literally will live in God's presence and, we, and we'll be surrounded by God's faithful love all the days of our life, all the days of our life, not just one day, not just one week, not just Sunday, but all the days of our life. As Dallas Willard puts it about this psalm, he writes, we must begin to imagine a new way of being. Green pastures, calm waters, restoration, safety, security, and provision. This is the life we all long for and seek, and it is exactly what Jesus came to provide. The Good Shepherd corrects all the gaps in our vision for life and fills the void of our understanding of God's provision right now, where the rubber hits the road of our daily lives. And isn't that where we end up seeking to faithfully live the spiritual journey anyway, where the rubber hits the road of our daily lives? It's in those places and moments that we are reminded that there is a Good Shepherd that seeks to provide for us all we need in all of our moments of need, whether that Need be wisdom, guidance, rest, welcome, hospitality, restoration, assurance, or courage. And the list could go on and on. But remember what the psalmist says, we lack nothing. Every day, we wake up to a multitude of voices that compete for our attention. And we have the choice. I have the choice as to whether or not we enter entertain all these voices and place our trust in them, or we listen to the one voice that intends to supply our hearts and souls what they most need. I often find that my own personal growing edge is that I trust in this voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd, that I trust in it over all the other voices, and that I make time and space to listen to that voice, and that I follow that voice wherever may it lead, knowing and trusting 
that it has my good will and well-being at heart. And as I spend more time listening and following the voice of the Good Shepherd, I come to trust that voice even more. I begin to recognize that voice in my life, and I begin to be able to differentiate that voice from all the other voices. And remember, we know that voice mostly by the fact that it is a voice of love for us. And it is a voice that invites us into sacrificial love for others and for, uh, for the world. And that love necessarily, doesn't necessarily run out because within this relationship with the Good Shepherd, we are constantly being replenished. We lack nothing. Author Joyce Rupp tells a story, an Ethiopian, Ethiopian legend, about a shepherd boy named Alemya. One night, she writes, he was stranded on a frozen mountain. He was clothed only in a very thin ramp. When he arrived back home, the villagers were amazed that he had survived so well. When asked to explain how he survived, he said this, The night was bitter, and when all the sky was dark, I thought I would die. And then far, far, far off, I saw a shepherd's fire on another mountain. And I kept my eyes on the red glow in the distance. And I dreamed of being warm. And that is how I had the strength to survive. Some days, some weeks, maybe we all feel that all we can do is just try to survive. And when we are at those points, maybe we can look off in the distance and see the illumination of God's presence and keep our eyes and our heart on the Good Shepherd and renew our hope that God is looking out for us and to know that we're going to make it because God is near. We can see God. We can sense God. God is watching over us, and God is providing what we most need. But most of all, we remember that we dwell in God's presence continually, and we are seen and known and cared for. I go back to these words from Psalm 23 by Nan Merrill, just the first few verses of Psalm 23, and this is what she writes. Oh, my beloved, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You bring me to green pastures for rest and lead me beside still waters, renewing my spirit. You restore my soul. You lead me in the path of goodness to follow love's way. So may you and I discover these still waters this week that renew our spirits and restore our souls. May we take time to stop by those still waters, to have our souls renewed and restored. May we follow in the path of goodness, and may we hear amidst all the other voices that one true voice that reminds us that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are seen, and that we are never alone, and that God's goodness and God's faithfulness will follow us all the days of our life, and we will always live forever within God's presence and God's love.